0: When you're not happy, you have two choices in life, right? You can either continue down this path that could lead you into a downward spiral of more misery, or you could dig yourself up, which I did, and talk yourself up and be like, okay, I can make a change.
1: Welcome to the Exponential Growth Podcast, where we demystify what it takes to break into tech. I'm your host, James Hudnell, and my goal is to highlight real life examples of people moving into careers they love, so you can too. Hey everyone. Today I'm joined by John Bowie, a tech consultant. Now, John studied biology in college, and we're gonna dive in and learn more about him and his transition into tech. John, welcome to the show.
0: Hey James, thanks for having me on this sunny Tuesday morning.
1: Tell the audience who is John Bowie?
0: Yeah, so John Bowie is like James stated biology major turned tech consultant and uh, soon-to-be technical trainer.
1: Nice. Very cool. And so growing up, John, did you think that you would work in tech one day or did you kind of back into that?
0: Yeah, I would say the latter. James, I kind of backed into it. So honestly, if you were to tell me, like my younger self, would I be in the position I am today, I would be like, definitely not. You know, (laughs) I couldn't even or see myself working even in a regular like office job or like nine to five or even you know like a you know standard corporate america job yeah to your point about my major i you know went to umbc actually was pre farm parents wanted me to be you know a doctor but couldn't really obtain that so the next level next step uh for you know down would be to be a pharmacist i okay. actually spent about a couple years working in retail pharmacy with a pharmacist who extremely disliked her life, you know, So to, to say lightly. And, um, yeah, I I just couldn't see myself, me and medicine, and not being able to interact with folks. But oddly enough, when I was younger, I was actually not as social. I was very, like, anti-social, very shy. Okay. It wasn't until I got into college, did a bunch of partying, my grades actually suffered <laughs> a yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that was when I made the switch from biology to public health. So at UMBC, they had a program called Health Administrations and Public Policy, like HAP. That's what they call it. And it's basically like encompasses like various theories and knowledge, things behind public health.
1: Okay. So even before college, if we back up just a little bit, John, the, I guess the decision to go into biology, it sounds like that was, I don't want to say pressure, but is that... It was almost like some kind of built-in expectation for you to follow yeah, that path.
0: Yeah, like I'm both Vietnamese and Chinese. So you could say it's built in expectation. And quite frankly, a lot of kids I talk to who I mentor and who, you know, are like family friends who ask me for advice, they kind of go through the same thing. You know, there's certain mm-hmm. like expectations set on them already that hey, you're expected to be this, this or this and nothing else, you know. So I guess for me, it was just like, um, I had like cousins and whatnot, um, family friends of my parents who their kids were doctors and dentists and pharmacists. So yeah, yeah, the expectation was placed on me from the jump.
1: Okay. And I guess, John, to the extent that you're comfortable discussing it, I'm trying to put myself in the place of the audience out there. And I know there are going to be people listening that probably are also feeling that pressure to, to pursue something that maybe wasn't their choice. So I'm curious, how did you work through that? And I guess get the confidence to make the the switch, I guess that you eventually pulled off?
0: Yeah, I guess it's for me, the first part was assessing myself and recognize that I wasn't happy. And when you're not happy, you have two choices in life, right? You can either continue down this path that could lead you into a downward spiral of more misery, or you could dig yourself up, which I did and talk yourself up and be like, okay, I can make a change. And James, this this goes for like everyone else out there, right? Like in life, no matter what it is, it doesn't even have to be in just career transitioning, pivoting, but just anything in life. If certain things make you unhappy, you have to first recognize that and then you have two choices. Are you gonna keep going down this path or are you going to, you know, dig yourself up and be like, I'm going to attempt this thing that may be risky, it may be scary, but at the end, it's, it's rewarding, like, it's going to be rewarding, but you have yep. to kind of um, tell your mind that, you know, you have two choices, you know? Yeah. So yeah. what I did was I made the second, cho- you know, the, the the choice of making the pivot. Um, and honestly, it was one of, I think it's one of the hardest things I've ever done, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, in my life, but I'm I'm just one of many people, right? But I'm just telling you know people like my story so i basically at my school so aside from the fact that i had to you know do switch to public health because i was failing certain classes in the biology you know um curriculum uh you know the 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 academic concentration major at my school so i actually fell into public health by accident because i was taking classes right to boost my GPA cuz I had like 2.0 and it was going to go you know down.
1: Yep. Can I pause you r- real quick yeah, right there yeah, John yeah. cuz I went through the same thing. Was it because you weren't interested in the stuff that you were taking? So you were kind of I guess not engaging with the content? Was that yeah, it?
0: Yeah, yeah, like it was kind of like, you know, biology was cool but like pharmacy required a lot of farm phar- like Chemistry, you know, mm. and I don't know if you heard like organic chemistry, like people, yep. that class is super hard <laughs> yeah. dude. like, it's yep. like, ridiculous. Yep. It's kind of like a weed out course, you know, yeah. it's like, um, so I failed it like one time, two times, two it it again, then passed it, you know, but then there were like other like chemistry classes that would be like helpful for being a pharmacist. And my mind just couldn't conceptualize like the molecule and what it looks like. And it's just I just couldn't see it, you know, yeah. and I wasn't. And then I was working like a, a dead end like pharmacy technician job, um, and it was like I was working with this like Vietnamese like pharmacist lady, and then she kept like yelling at me, you know. <laughs> she mm. was just like, "Yeah, it, it was just not good." It was just like, yeah. you know, I I'm in class and I'm just like, "Why the hell am I learning this this, this stuff?" Yeah. You know. And then I go to like the pharmacy technician, and here I am like I'd be trying to like you know learn it. And, and such and do the best that I can. And then I get yelled at there, you know? So I'm just like, all right, all right, all right, John, like you gotta make, you gotta make a move here. You gotta do something. Well, in that
1: regard, maybe it was good because it showed you or proved to you maybe that that's not what you wanted to do with your life. So it's like life kind of shook you and said, Hey, John,
0: yeah. yeah. For sure. And I can say, honestly, like James, like for me, like the parental expectations, the pressure, it was definitely there. I think being, you know, Southeast Asian, like we are expected by our parents to do certain things. I'm not saying like that's specifically because I'm Southeast Asian, but all parents of, I mean, you know, kids of immigrants, period. Their their parents, um, you know, make a lot of sacrifices that they don't know about and they want them to do the best. They want to give them the best life, right? So my parents felt the same way, Um, you know, um, they wanted me to be the best. And it was a hard conversation. Like they really just thought that I didn't study. Hmm. I mean, part of it is true, but part of it, like I did put in the work, but I just knew that I would be my, my skill set and my life and my personality would be better like elsewhere in another industry where I could talk to people and like, you know, so
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, very good for you. So you were so back to where you were, I think. So your GPA was in the toilet, as was mine. I'm, I'm mentally comparing <laughs> my journey to yours, John. And it's yeah. so similar because you know, I always sure. joke that it took me eight years to get that four year degree. And yeah. I, I started in engineering yeah. and switched to English because it was a lot easier to kind of fluff your way through as an English major as opposed to an engineering major. So back to you, your, your GPA is in the toilet. It sounds like you're taking some classes to boost said GPA and then you you backed into public health. So back, yeah. where were you?
0: Yeah, so so I backed into public health I took the classes um, I from a GPA uh, grade point perspective I did better um, you know graduated like 3.0 barely you know um, but the interesting thing about my first tech spark is that in my school apparently there was an incubator hmm. they have the entrepreneurship you know center at University of Maryland where okay. it's like a it's called the terp startup incubator i'm not sure if that's like the exact name but it's somewhere along the lines of that and students would be able to take an idea from zero to one conceptualize it ideate execute build um, pitch it to vcs and pitch it to like investors and um you know people within that space and so at umbc it was like an informal thing where there was this guy who just i was just like man like what can i do you know that will kind of like spark something in me um One of my friends, he was a comp sci major, um, and he had talked about startups. I was like, what in the world is that? What what does that even mean, like a startup? And he explained the concept to me, and he said it could be like a hard, like physical product, or it could be like a software. It could be, you know? So I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, so he told me more about it. He kind of like drew like a wireframe. This is the first time I've ever seen something like that. He was like, hey, like we did this thing in, in our class, and he like drew it out. I was like, oh, so it's kind of like like a frame that shows a screen that shows like widgets and buttons stuff. Right. And he's like, yeah. Like, did you, did you ever, he knew instantly I was like a natural at it. Hmm. Cause I was just like, he was like, how did you like, know?" I was like, like, how did you know what that meant or how did you pick it up? I was like, I mean, it, I just use my brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It was your thing. And that was like the first part. And then I asked him, I was like, can I, like, how do I get involved with like, Things like this on campus like projects and stuff and he sent me to this forum right and then this one of this guy he was like a founder and he was um trying to build like some mental um no uh, like a health and wellness application but it was also like a data um me knowing what i know now it's basically like a data repository basically like a database that holds like you know, various providers of like health and wellness. It could be spas, it could be like, you know, people, you know, going to like a clinic where they do like cryo, like ice bath, like et cetera. So what I did was I did like the manual web scraping of like finding those people. And then he had like an engineer backend that would like pull that, build a data pipeline, put it into the application, you know? Okay. Um, So that was like my first like experience with that. And Love I did it. it. I got to see him pitch. I mean, he didn't like win, but I was just like, "Hey, can I like volunteer to like do this?" Because I kind of hate my life,
1: <laughs> and yeah. I want
0: to like do something that might spark my my interests a little bit. For you know, so that was really like the first step.
1: Yeah. No, I love that. So backing up just a little bit, John, the, uh, so that you had mentioned the manual web scraping, was it truly manual? Like you would go to different websites and physically yeah. copy paste or yeah, did like you eventually learn paste into like a okay.
0: Google sheet? Like, like, a, like okay. Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. I mean, that's like, I mean, I mean, it's kind of funny now. Like, like now it's like people can write Python right. code yeah. real quick to do the same. Everything. Right. Like money, yeah. you know, but yeah. that's, that's what I knew. Yeah. And he asked me, I was like, do you code? I was like, no, but is there something else I can do for you? So like I did some kind of like, you know, I also did like market research too, to like look Mm -hmm. into like that space. Um, Back in the day, there wasn't like a zillion startups related to health and wellness, like how there is now. You know, So it was like very early in the game and there was like research to be done. So I conducted some research and I was like, oh yeah, these people would be like, this population would want to like, maybe interact with these providers on the application, you know, kind of like that.
1: Yeah, and I love that. It sounds like you almost went to him and offered to work for free, and I absolutely love that, John, because yeah. I've I know my mindset has been the same. I don't know that I've ever been in the position to actually do that, but I completely agree with it. If you're in a position to do that because it seems like the it's the perfect way to learn yeah. on the job, yeah. get tangible skills, and yeah. I feel like if you're I don't want to say if you're good at it, but if you work hard enough and get good at it it's almost like backing into a job so yeah. to speak so i think that's i just yeah. wanted to highlight that Thank for the you, audience man. listening for if yeah, you're in a position sure. to do that don't don't hold out for this six-figure job you know as your first foray into tech for sure yeah.
0: especially especially if you're pivoting i mean this is about tech so i'm just gonna speak yes. on from a tech perspective especially if you're pivoting and you have this, like, is it the chicken or the egg problem? You know, it's like, yeah. oh, I need a job to get this yeah. experience, but I need experience to get a job. Well, here's yeah. my key thing. If you need the experience to get the job, you must do side projects. You must volunteer. You must show people that you're capable. Um, and really, all it takes is one. Like, if you spend yeah. time doing this thing, one thing really well, and you, and you volunteer and you don't get paid for it, it's going to pay off like 10x later on
1: yeah so when this was going on john i see on your linkedin so you did the your bachelor's of arts in biology from 2011 to 2014 it looks like yeah and then there was a couple of years no i guess you did go directly into the masters so at what point in that timeline was this this startup life that you were starting to experience
0: okay so let me like back up a little bit i graduated right so Mm -hmm. i graduated i actually was trying to find a job i didn't really do any internships or anything like that because i was too busy partying and having fun and you know just just being like a young dude in college man you know just trying to experience life because i was sheltered at home for a long time so i was just like wet like nuts you know yeah. and yep. uh, and so after i graduated then luckily after like six seven months of like trying to apply to random stuff my friend he was like hey like i worked as a teacher at this like special education school so it was a school for special needs children so it wasn't directly aligned with like public health right but i mean in hindsight now like i feel like it kind of was in a way mm-hmm. because it's like an umbrella branch off of public health it's like mental health right like behavioral yeah. so i worked there as a teacher assistant for quite some time i actually became like a lead teacher but i realized i didn't like to teach like in that capacity of special education because being a special education teacher requires a lot of work, not just teaching. It's a lot of administrative, it's a lot of diplomacy. You have to like satisfy various stakeholders. You have to do a lot of things. Um, And so I left that and I went to um, Adventist Healthcare. They they basically are like, you know, kind of like a statewide hospital. Um, They have like a behavioral health division. So I became a counselor and, you know, working through. Um, At that time, my dad was like, hey, like, It seems like you're, you know, pretty good at this public health thing. You should pursue like a master's, you know? Mm. So I was like, all right, cool. So I did some research and then I found like an executive program. So executive programs are a little bit different from grad school lens because traditional grad school programs, you kind of go to school full time, right? Like you don't really do any um, working, but executive programs are designed for uh, those who want to go to work, but also pursue schooling. On the side as well. So that was a good fit for me. Yeah. Um so I was working at night actually, like I worked like night shift overnight at the hospital, um while while taking like two, three classes, you know, um at the University of Maryland Masters of Public Health and Policy program, specifically their executive program division for okay. for graduate students. Okay. So yep. So that's kind of how I executed that.
1: Okay. And then, so you got that degree and that was while you were also kind of dipping your toes into like the web scraping and the startup as well?
0: Yeah. So actually that web scraping and that startup uh, project was, was only during like my senior year of college. Um, okay, After that, I kind of took a break. didn't really think about tech <laughs> for like a really long time. Okay. For like a very, very, very long time. Okay. There was another point where, tech kind of came back to me it like crawled back to me slowly was during my time in grad school where we had to do a a practicum right like a like an internship uh capstone project thing okay i was interning at the department of veteran affairs in washington dc um they're like a pretty known like hospital system for veterans and i was working on this project that involved data analysis and like data analytics, um, for one of the like nursing departments. So in the world of like, in that world, you have like, you know, it's typical standard things that you have in like traditional business sense. You have KPIs, like key performance indicators, metrics that determine like, are you on target? Are you meeting your service line? Are you not? Um, you know, so I did some like data analysis, the guy that I work with, a project, he was like, uh, data scientist you know he was like coding python like scrape you know uh, predictive modeling things of that nature i was just doing like grunt work <laughs> you know okay like i was doing like process improvement like business process reengineering, basically like identifying like what the the workflow is and how to make it better and okay. then what like the metrics are and how to make it better you know okay um so and then
1: w- watching this other guy did he kind of inspire you to think differently or to to move into that area or did you get to interact with him at all?
0: Yeah. Like I interacted with him, but like I knew I didn't, I'm not, I can deal with data, but I'm not like a data wizard. Like I don't like go to sleep thinking about data. Like I I don't love data, but I know it's important though. You know, sure. I know it's important and I respected him for doing it. Um, and I respect everyone who does data, (laughs) you know, like just across the board, just, just put me out there. I personally, myself, like I understand it's important, um, but I my skill align more with like the you know coaching and teaching and okay and things like that. Like yeah. you're like
1: the API layer between humans and the data itself.
0: I am basically, yep.
1: So what what comes next in your story, John?
0: You asked me about what led me to my um, decision to go to grad school, right? Mm-hmm. I touched on um, going to grad school and the experience with like tech crawling back in. With the VA internship, okay. So I graduated. I was still working. Um, I'm gonna call this chapter like, uh, I felt stuck. I'm gonna call mm-hmm. it stuck. I was very stuck. Okay. okay. So I had this degree, you know. Um, I went through the graduate program. I went through the VA internship. I did the fellowship. They were going to offer me a job. Then their then their leadership team like restructured. Mm. And I don't have an offer. Mm. I don't have anything lined up. So I just went back to as you know, continue to do counseling and coaching and things like that. This is when I discovered LinkedIn outreach. <laughs> you okay. Know, the magical two word LinkedIn. Yeah. Outreach.
1: Yeah. How did you discover that?
0: I just randomly went online and I was like trying to. I just typed in like networking like i don't remember james like exactly what kind of keywords i was typing into google to search for it but somehow i came up on linkedin and i like watched a youtube video on how to build one and it sucked like Mm. my resume sucked my linkedin sucked like everything was just trash you know yeah i kind of watched a youtube video to kind of like figure out how to build a proper linkedin i mean as proper as i could at the time with what i knew and I just started, like, you know, figuring out how to message people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't even remember, like, how I was able to, like, connect with people. But eventually, after, like, about 100, like, you know, LinkedIn, like, messaging people, this, this one person, I was like, hey, like, so-and-so, I noticed that in your network, you have people that work in tech or, like, had a startup or something. And this... And I was introduced to um, this one guy who I'm not going to name, you know, like his his company or anything. But basically, to keep it short, it's a B2B platform for short term uh, renting a boat, kayaks, okay. pontoons, you know, okay. the whole nine yard, like all that, except for yachts. Big
1: liability there.
0: Yeah. So there he connected me with this guy. And the guy was like, "Hey, John, like, tell me what you've done so far, um, in your life, it, in terms of like your career, in terms of like why you want to be in tech and how you find it interesting." So I talked about the experience in web scraping, like right, manually in my undergrad. I missed a point uh, somewhere in there, James, where I was trying to build like a mental health application. Yourself? Where, yep. Not okay. not myself, but I was I like wrote the PRD like the product requirement doc, and I was like an ad hoc product manager. like I had to learn how to do that. i I also went on LinkedIn and try to like convince you know college students to be like working on this project with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, people they 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 saw value in it because I've had spent so many years working in mental and behavioral health. So therefore, you know, they they saw me as like a SME almost, and they like trusted me and believing that, oh yeah, this is a good project and it's for a good cause and things. So we built like this directory, just, um, it's just like psychology today, but it just had a better UI than psychology today, I feel like. It was just easier to filter by insurance. It was easier to populate the data in terms of like providers and whatnot and regions and miles and distance and all that good stuff. You know. Okay. Um, so you had
1: that you could point to. As yeah, well. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And so I brought that to the table with him, and he was like, "Wow, like you, you, you did what?" <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I, I knew what I knew about the target market in the space. I knew what I knew um, about how it might be valuable. I went and I did the, my due diligence in terms of like the pain points that people are experiencing on websites such as Psychology Today." um and how it's so hard for them to like filter by therapists and insurance and kind of like filter by those criteria, right to populate the data fields and data values and things like that and i kind of wrote i figured out like well how do you put everything together so then i googled and i was like hey yeah man so i googled and i found this thing called a prd i was like well, what the heck is a prd so just like i just like randomly w- one night at work out. I did the research and I just started writing it. And I wrote my first line of user story. I didn't mm-hmm. even know what any, like James, like I didn't even know what any of that was. Like, yeah. I, I don't even know how I was able to do it. Somehow I did. And then I put, and then I pitched it to some engineers that I found on college students that I found on LinkedIn and they were with it. So we like built it, um, but ultimately it didn't you know work out very well, which is fine. So I kind yeah. of told the guy that. and. He hired me. He was like, yeah, I'm not going to I was like, look, man, like you don't have to pay me anything. Like, I, like, I don't deserve anything from you. I just want your time. I just want to learn from you.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm like, I just want to tell you that I can do this and I can do yeah. it very well. And in yeah. the end, if you feel like I'm valuable, then you can pay me. Yeah. So we wrote a contract for like, I work for free for like three months. Mm-hmm. Right. And literally it was anything he needed me to do. Sometimes it will be user stories for the engineers. Sometimes it will be logging into Asana and like figuring out what the heck the team was doing in the backlog. Sometimes it would be like, he hired a bunch of content marketing like contractors from like (laughs) Fiverr and Upwork and stuff. And I had to manage them to put all the the voting information and stuff into the platform. Um, But long story short, he went on to raise like a, angel investing around like 2.5 million dollars and uh Hmm. they're pretty they're they're still growing uh today
1: there's so much there i want to unpack john Uh, again i love you you've got this and this is a compliment you've got that beginner's mindset where you just it seems like you you've learned how to learn you know you can do it and you're able to offer yourself for free but it's I don't want to call it like a, a a selfish thing on your part, but it's, I think it's like a, a mastermind move on your part because it's, yeah. why wouldn't he say yes? And yeah. it's a win-win because you know, you're going to get valuable experience. Yep. And I think that's so cool. So how did that play out with after the three months? Did he retain you or are you still with him? Do you work with him at all today?
0: Yeah. So after the three months, I kind of you know, gave him that, like, knowledge base of what I knew and things. And he was getting ready to build, like, you know, VC, like, slide deck. And I kind of give like, input on those things. It wasn't, like, me writing things or de- no deliverables. It was just, like, my knowledge of what I had learned. I mean, okay. in terms of, like, I did the research for him in terms of, like, you know, angel investing versus, like, VC, like, what he should do. His He also had someone in his network who also loved, like, being on the waters and everything like that, uh, had his own ship and all that. So he like that person became his, um, angel investor for his Mm. startup. Yeah. So that was like that experience.
1: So did you move on after that, after those three months?
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. I moved on and I was still working, you know, at events, and then I was applying, you know, different to startups, to like consulting companies, like all I heard was no, 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 no. You know, just like a whole bunch of bunch of uh, rejections. And then um, I came across um, the opportunity where I'm a tech consultant now at a company, um, you know, we kind of build financial applications for the federal government, um, put simply, you know, um, with all the whole government initiatives and programs going on to modernize IT, uh, they put in a lot of Congress has put in a lot of funding and you know mm. money into these agencies to move from a more legacy system uh, waterfall to more like agile methodology, and that comes with modernizing various IT software, uh, okay. system and architecture in with respect to their like program and their initiatives. Okay, at the agency departmental level, et cetera.
1: So, okay yeah. so jump jumping back just a little bit when you you had mentioned that period you went through where you were applying and you were just getting no 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 i know there are people out there listening that are going through that now yeah. and maybe yeah. they don't have the experience that you had gone through john yeah. but everybody out there has experience in something so i wanted to come back to that highlight it, and ask you how did you work through that because that couldn't have been a fun time
0: no no definitely not it was like a mental health battle for sure i as a mental health you know a uh, advocate mental health like person and that's one of my passions you know um, I definitely can empathize I definitely can uh, understand you know um, what folks are going through um, not only those who are trying to pivot but also with the nature of how tech is and we hear a lot of layoffs every day I think um, you know the, the first thing is to uh, problem first thing you have to do is you will you will wallow in your you know sadness you will feel upset you will feel angry you'll feel frustrated so emotions are meant to be like to, to be felt right so you will you will feel everything that you will feel um however you will um you have to get pick you know you have to pick yourself up by your bootstrap and you gotta keep going you know yep. um that's what my wife is from the midwest so she kind of like taught me that terminology yeah heard people I think i even heard you use it on a podcast like you know one or two times and i think once you kind of like feel your emotions and feel what you feel um then it's time to problem solve but yeah. the problem the problem is is if we try to problem solve prior to feeling our emotions then we're just going to be like a wreck like an emotional mm. like wreck you know yeah and i felt both both ends of the spectrum so
1: yeah
0: um my advice is like you know you you have to feel your emotions you have to do what makes you um, happy maybe you gotta go take a walk maybe you gotta talk to yeah. if you have a partner if you have a pet if you have you know you like play with your dog you can't like do whatever yeah. that makes you happy first and yeah. then you're like take take a day or two to, to decompress and things like that yeah. to feel that and then comes the second phase problem solving Yep. so problem yeah. solving you know it's broken down to like various quadrants i feel like um it depends uh are you living at home If you're living at home and you have a roof over your head, you have food on the table, you have, uh, do do you have to pay like rent? Do you have to help your parents with something? Maybe you can get a job that isn't related to what you want and then work on what you want at the end of the day. So that's what I would advise. And if you absolutely have to be on your own, then you absolutely 100% need to get an adult like, you know, job and keep working on your experiences and build your portfolio on the side. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to what you said earlier, John, where, you know, no matter what you're doing in life, uh, you can either keep doing it and you can bemoan that or you can do something about it. You can take action. And I love that because it's, I find everything with life is like framing. It's how you perceive things and you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to those things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and James, like to your point, like I kind of took a look into your story and how you, you took a picture of how you were like using those wrinkle, dinkle, like laptop and you were learning how build API, like coding on the boat. Um, you know, you were, you, you quit your job to go fully into the boot camp to, you know, um, you obviously had a kid on the way, you had financial you know challenges things of that nature and i think that um, your story is also a testament to people that it can happen you know it's just how badly do you want it and i can't like stress this enough how badly do you want it and you cannot say i want to get into tech because i want to make a lot of money
1: yeah yeah (laughs) that's not gonna it's not gonna keep you going when you struggle
0: yeah because like the part of tech that people don't they say is like when you when it's 10 p.m. and the API is all broken and it's like a Saturday and the client's like yelling at you and you have to all get on a call and you got to spend a lot of time debugging and troubleshooting. And I'm just from like a functional side. I'm not even like technical like that. So the technical folks have like a backlog of crap that's just broken yep. <laughs> constantly, yep. like always, you know. So you have to really take a hard look at yourself and be like, I want to do it for the money but is there there has to be another reason there has to yeah. be another factor that's pushing you in that direction to get yeah. into tech right um yeah. so i'm sure you've heard it from like your other like guessing what things but i'm just going to reiterate for the folks listening on this one it's like you you really have to find like it's, it's you know you really have to kind of find a passion for it and i knew that one day I didn't really think that one day when my friend drew a wireframe and like a database like kind of thing for me that i was gonna be hooked i was i didn't know you know yeah i had no yeah. idea yeah
1: but you were willing to explore it and yep. you followed your curiosity and I you did. you know you basically followed interest-led learning and it sounds like you've landed yeah in a place that you're very happy to yeah. have landed in
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure
1: Definitely. That's great. so what is your what, what's your typical day in the life of now in this this dream job perhaps to some listening and perhaps to you as well? <laughs> yeah, do, you, do yeah. you have a typical day in the life of?
0: Yeah, so I want to preface that in consulting you there is um you have to wear multiple hats. Um, hmm. for example, uh if you're a product manager, product owner, business analyst, at, let's say uh tech startup company or you know series late stage series uh vc funded company um you're working on a product right so there's a difference between like working on a product and a service right so the difference to me is that a product is like obviously you know um you have some kind of the company has some kind of saas subscription they're generating revenue based via like subscriptions SaaS software right Um, Their business analysts and product managers may be like building product roadmap. They may be like ideating what they're going to build. It depends on the the company and where the stage they are. If they're early stage, then they're doing a lot of user interview and market research and things like that. And they're only focusing on everything towards the product from the technical and from the both functional product side and the technical side. But in consulting, you are building you are your deliverables and the billable hours based on services and the hours that you provide to the client. Um, it's different because it's kind of like taking a zero to one from what they want um, from what um, their current business processes and what you can do to improve it, or they just have nothing and you're mm. trying to ideate just like how you would if you got a whole bunch of money from VC and, and now you got to build a product. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, for me, it's uh, wearing multiple hats. So, I was a business analyst, I was QA, I was support, I was product ops, I was just... just yeah, goes all on, on, on. yeah, all the above. Yeah, all the above. And I did that uh, with one of our federal clients for two years. Um, but uh, as of two, in two days, I'll be rolling over to a new project and I'll mm-hmm. be a technical trainer and change management, which is very important because it's kind of... Um, In the government consulting space, that's what we call it. Change management, technical training, things like that. In the more, uh, I guess, startup or primarily tech industry, they call it customer success and onboarding, right? Uh, Enablement, you know? Um, Customer engagement, things like that. And I realize that it's very important because if you don't have a product then the company won't survive and you don't make any money. If you don't have sales, then you can't generate revenue. And then how do you pay your engineers and how do you pay your various uh, internal stakeholders in your team to keep the, you know, to keep, keep the business alive. Right. Um, But what I started to learn recently is um, in preparation for my new role is if you don't have a strategy for change management and for adoption and Stickiness in the product, you're going to fail. Hmm. You know, that's another thing I realized um, because of the fact that. So, let's talk primarily from like the government consulting perspective, right? Um, These are legacy users of software that need very much um, hand holding. And it's not a bad thing, it's just a lot of like bureaucracy and diplomacy and things within the government, um, you know, the way that the government functions. And um, sometimes it just requires a little bit more assistance and empathy and understanding. And one of the things that I love the most is working with the users. Even if it's like, hey, John, how do I click this widget? How do I filter by this? How do I... Um, Some some folks may be like, oh, my goodness, so-and-so's, like, got me on a call for, like, 40 minutes trying to explain to him this widget, like, just click the dang button. (laughs) You know? You love that. I love that because for me, it's like... I always come from from the frame, um, James, and from the perspective of I'm um, uh, I'm always like a student. I feel like I'm always like learning. I feel like, and at the same time that I feel like a student, I also feel like a teacher and a coach at the same time. Yeah. Um, I try to, to be like, oh, like maybe I'll pursue like PSM one or like Scrum Master or like things like that. And, and I'm, you know, like that framework, I mean, in that sense, they're also coaching and teaching at the same also, but it's in a different way that I've been, you know, Scrum Master on like Agile project before and I wasn't really like my cup of tea, but I'm like, okay, me, John Bowie with the user, I'm good. You know, like yeah. I'm I'm great. Like I, I promise you I'm going to kill it. Like there's, yeah. and so my PM moved me to, to, he's moving me to that role because he sees yeah. that like, wow, John delivers a lot of value when he's like, you know, building guys or he's like, you know, uh, on training with the, the user and teaching them and really like delivering the value, like every aspect of the product, the software. And yep. for me, I always think about, yeah, you know, I like business process improvement and things of re-engineering, things like that. But it's like to me, it's like marrying like you you understand what the user is using, their their workflow, uh, their business process, and then the software, you tailor it to how it helps them.
1: Yep.
0: And I love it. Like it brings me a lot of joy when they're like, oh, John, thank you so much for, you know, your patience and teaching me and showing me. Um, I've had someone else and try to do it, but it frustrated the hell out of me. And I'm, I'm so glad that it's you with me doing this and hmm. being on this journey together and learning. Yeah. And it brings me a lot of joy, you know. So,
1: yeah, I love that. You...
0: I'm also a man of faith. You know, also, I'm Catholic, James. So it's like, I believe in, you know, faith and God and Jesus. And I feel that, you know, he's put me in the right place today. Yeah.
1: No, it's amazing, man. And it's a testament to the journey that you've embarked on. And even even if you didn't have that quote unquote formal education in what you're doing now, I feel like the skills and the knowledge that you've accrued over the years blow that traditional education out of the water. I mean, I feel like you could probably write the book on what you're doing now. And I wanted to also point out the fact that you had mentioned that you used to teach as well, even though yeah. you knew at the time that might not be what you wanted to do. Yeah. I, I presume that that experience has given you more confidence in moving into this technical training role because yep. that at least taught you different facets of teaching yep. and how to relate to people. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's hundred percent right. And I felt that everything, you know, in my life has, you know, recently it's just like aligned, like from the, from the career standpoint, it's just like, I, I tried different things. I was like, oh, maybe it was QA. Maybe yeah. it was like writing user stories, a like business, you know, some people like that. Some people like building product backlogs. Some people like yeah. uh, being the product owner of the software and delegating and kind of like influencing without like authority, right? So that's why they're product managers. I think being of, of a faith, it's kind of you this higher it's higher power, you know, to me. Um, it's changed my life a lot. And I realized that, uh, God has, you know, he's architected this, this life for me that it was already forecasted for me when I was in school. Like, I didn't know what it would entail, but it just seemed to me like things just kind of fell into place, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what people mean by things fall into place for them. Because at one yeah. point you're going to wake up and you're be like, aha, this is what I was meant to do. You know, this, all of my skill sets, my personality, who I am, it just aligns with this job. And I honestly think that's what makes successful people, whether they're, uh, a tenure in their, in their field or they're career pivoters, like you, myself and others, you know?
1: Yeah, I love that. And, and again, going back to your point of, you know, you can wallow through life unhappy or you can take action and yep. you're a prime example of what taking action can yield and you, you seem genuinely happy. John and I'm extremely happy for you as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um but I would say that sometimes you do have to explore other options to see if you like it. You know, on yeah. LinkedIn I've seen people be like, "All right, you know, this month I'm going to do SQL, next month I'm going to do like AWS, and then the cloud, and then, you know, yeah. security. You just kind of have to try different different yeah. things." Different yeah. Things. Yep, um,
1: interest-led learning. I love it. Yeah. And uh you know, I always tell my wife and friends the day I stop learning and seem like I know it all, you need to slap me in the face because that's not who I am and who I want to be. We never know it all. And I feel like it's so important to embrace that beginner's mindset and to just keep learning throughout life.
0: Yeah, definitely. I remember when I first started, I was very stubborn with myself because I felt that, um, I kind of, Oh, like I read this like article. I read this blog. I looked at this person's LinkedIn. I know this. I'm like, I don't know shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> you know no, I mean?
1: that, you know, the older we get, or at least I find, John, the older I get, the the less I know. And it's it's, what my it's humbling. Yeah. It's humbling. But I also, I I, I enjoy that from, uh, yeah, I like that, that that's how it actually plays out. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no,
0: definitely. 100%. That's amazing. I so agree. I
1: got a few rapid fire hot seat questions for you oh. if you're up for it, so we can yeah. better understand John Bowie.
0: Sure, sure. I'll All right. I'll do my best, as always. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right, what does your typical morning routine look like?
0: Typical morning routine, wake up, make my bed, um, because uh, cleanliness is close to godliness, as they say. So, make a bed, you know, do my morning routine, brush my teeth, wash my face, things like that. Um, I'll do, like, uh, these days I've been doing a couple of stretches because I have, like, back pain. Um, It all kind of stemmed from when I played sports in high school and kind of pulled my back in the weight room trying to uh impress the the guys with some weights (laughs) Mm. yeah Yeah, so you know gotta get back to doing like some back stretches back exercises and that and then um i kind of help my wife like get get ready for work because you know Mm -hmm. she works on capitol hill so it's like a commute i just work from my my house so no no commute for me so yeah once she's settled then i'll eat breakfast and you know log in and See what's what's going on for the day, emails and things like that.
1: Cool. All right. If money didn't exist, what do you think you would do every day?
0: If money didn't exist, teach.
1: Yeah. What would you teach?
0: Okay. In this world, does software exist? Yes. Okay. I would still teach and coach people in software, uh, specifically the government, because I feel like I'm very good at it and I'm going to be even better at it soon, upcoming um I, like I will also definitely work on like projects related to mental health that you know makes me happy because if money was a problem then make a donation um you know i'm you know things like that uh, i'm actually working on like a like a clothing thing um that's inspired by mental health and things like that um yeah. so I'll probably continue to work on that yeah you, know? you want to talk about that Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, um, it's, I kind of have it like designed into two, two kind of, um, two, two parts. It's like a two parter. Like, uh, if it's, if it's for female, it's called empathy, the collection. If it's for men, it's called empath, the collection. So I, um, you know, I like fashion. I like clothes. I, there was a time when, um, I too was in the culture, in that industry, they call it like a hype beast. So, you know, people that buy like luxurious, fashionable items, streetwear, things like that. So I think for me, just kind of like marrying the two between what I like in terms of streetwear and what like the designs and the meanings and the quotes and things like that. So I'm like building that slowly. So I'll definitely keep you posted on that for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and just to to pull on that thread a little bit more, what was the inspiration behind that, I guess?
0: I think um in the world where people are, you know, they're um they they seek validation because keeping up with the Joneses, because they're unhappy, because it's a comparison between themselves and others and you know, just, just just a lot of things in the world that I see that's you know, I don't want to be like a Debbie down, but you know, things like people getting laid off and you know, just uh, just kind of things in the world that isn't too like happy and cheerful and joyful. I want to bring um, a concept into you know the market where it's like uh, when people see what I'm designing, when people see what you know I'm, I'm wearing, it kind of represents like both sides of me. You know, I like fashion, I like streetwear, but um, at the core, even though I'm no longer uh, a mental health coach or c- counselor, teacher, uh, it's always going to be forever part of me. You know, yeah. it's always going to be forever part of who I am. Um, yeah. I'm always going to be empathy, well, you know, towards my wife, toward my parent family, at my job. You know, um, it's just who I am. You know.
1: Yeah. No, I love it. And if you have any links to anything, I'd love to throw them in the show notes so the audience can check it out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question. If you could send a message to your former self to help you during this transition into tech, what would that message be?
0: I would say, um, keep going, but learn how to take breaks and -hmm. it's okay.
1: Yeah. I love it. All right. Are there any books or podcasts that have had a big impact on you?
0: Um, I would say one of the, there's also a cliche one, James, uh, David Goggins podcast. The dude is insane. He's like, literally I was, I'm just I'm blown away. I I think to some, um, he may be a cup of tea for some and not to others, you know, yeah. because he kind of lets you. Um, when I actually was going through certain mental uphill battles with myself in my mind, um, he was, you know, David, David Goggins, like podcasts And um, just his story is very inspiring, you know, because he had you know how he always had that picture of him where he weighed like 265 pounds and he was Mm -hmm. like, I was unhappy. I was eating all the like junk food and I was like a a pesticide like sprayer person. And they were like, hell no, like you're not going to join like the military. You're you're what makes you think you qualify, you know? So I like to kind of take draw from that and put it that into my my framework. In life is that um you know it doesn't really matter like that you started in what kind of state as long as yep. you start you know yeah just like him like he started um yep. and i had a lot of people like doubting me and telling me like oh yeah you know like you're never gonna do it or like how can you do it or like you can't even you know communicate in a corporate america kind of manner like you you don't even have the skills to be in this or like, how can you be doing this? You should just be a teacher. You should, you know, I mean, you know, but, um, yeah, silence those people.
1: Yeah. You know? Use it as fuel.
0: Yeah. Use it as fuel. Like literally it's just noise. Yep. So yeah, David Goggins. And I've heard, um, a book called failing forward that I'm trying mm-hmm. to get into. Um, okay. because I also believe in, in life, um, you know, there's no such thing as just failing. Yeah. If you don't fail, then how would you have like the knowledge and the capability and then the roadmap to like execute on being better? You can't, you know, because everything is empirical, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like if we don't stumble, then we're not pushing ourselves and there, there's, you know, there's some moderation there in a happy medium, but yeah, I feel like you have to be a little bit uncomfortable to grow. Definitely. All right, man, you got an awesome story. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about today, John?
0: I guess I just want to leave, you know, people with like, if you're, if you're coding, just know you're one step forward to like writing the correct code. Or if you're debugging, just know, Hey, you're one step closer to like figuring out what the issue is. If you're building a portfolio, just know you're one step closer to, you know, building resumes, so on and so forth. Um, Just know that you're one step closer, you know, to your goal in um, making that transition into tech. And um, if people want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, I have a plethora of knowledge and advice um, that I could give. And people say I kind of like I'm easy to talk to and I'm easy to connect with. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I love it. I'll throw that in the show notes. And again, John, you've got an awesome story. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing it with the audience. And looking forward to you seeing you continue to to do great things in your next role and beyond.
0: Thank you, James. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. And um, I think you've got a great thing going with like you know your podcast and just dropping lots of gems every day about like you you constantly make people feel like it's okay and that uh, they can continue going you know towards their journey. In tech.
1: Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's show, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on Apple or Spotify. It's a free way you can support the show and help other people just like you find the story and others like it. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow the show on whatever podcast application you use. And most importantly, if you know someone that might be interested in breaking into tech, tell them about the show.